0: Louise McSharry on
1: 2FM Bruce Grayson is a Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and neurobehavioral Sciences at the University of Virginia and he has spent decades talking to people about near-death experiences and has widely been acknowledged as the father of research in this area his new book is After A Doctor Explores What Near-Death Experiences Reveal About Life and Beyond and it delves into what he has learned from nearly 50 years of research in this area thank you you so much Bruce for talking to me today how are you doing
0: I'm doing fine Louise and thank you so much for having me
1: well I just was absolutely fascinated to read about your work and um, you know I suppose most of us at some stage in our lives have had a conversation about near-death experiences but we probably haven't even come close to a fraction of what you've done so tell me a little bit about how you came to this research in the first place
0: well I came to it um, unwillingly really I was I was raised in a household that had uh, no religious or spiritual traditions. We were scientists, and as far as we could tell, the physical world was all there was. Mm. Uh, When you die, that's the end, and that was fine with us. That's just the way things were. Mm. And I went through college and medical school with that mindset, and then shortly after I finished medical school, in my first weeks as a psychiatric trainee, I was asked to evaluate a patient in the emergency room who had overdosed. Mm. I went down to see her. She was unconscious. I could not arouse her no matter what I did. Mm. But her roommate had come with her and was waiting in a different room to talk to me. So I talked to the roommate about uh, what was going on in the patient's life and what she might have taken. And when I finished with her, I went back to the patient who was still quite unconscious. Mm. So she was admitted to the intensive care unit. And I arranged to see her the following day when she woke up. When I saw her the next morning, she was very groggy. I introduced myself and she stopped me and said, I know who you are. I remember you from last night. Hmm. Well, that kind of surprised me because I thought she was out cold. So I said to her, I I thought you were asleep last night when I came to see you. And then she opened her eyes and said to me, not in my room. I saw you talking to my roommate. Hmm. Well, that just stunned me. I couldn't imagine what she was talking about. The only way that could happen is if she had left her body and come to the other room with me. And that made no sense. As far as I could tell, I was my body. How can you leave it? Yeah. So she sensed my confusion and then said to me, uh, yes, I saw you. you, And she told me where we were sitting in the room, what we were wearing, what the conversation was like, without making any mistakes. I was just totally flabbergasted. I couldn't imagine how she had gotten this information.
1: Yeah.
0: But I couldn't deal with my confusion. My job was to deal with hers. Right. (laughs) So I tried to to push my feelings out of the way and just deal with her suicidal thoughts and so forth. Mm. As the days progressed, I thought uh, that that can't happen. I must have been mishearing or misinterpreting, or maybe someone was playing a trick on me here. Mm. Um, And it wasn't until several years later that I met uh, Dr. Raymond Moody, who had written a book that year in 1975 called Life After Life, in which he gave us the name near-death experiences and told us what they were like. And that was my first hint that what this patient had told me years earlier was not just one incident from a crazy patient, but it's actually something that millions of people all over the world were experiencing. So I still couldn't understand it. Yeah. So I thought, I, I, my job is to try to understand it. So I've got to uh, attack it scientifically and try to, to find out what's going on here. And now, 50 years later, I'm still trying to understand it.
1: Okay, all right. Well, that's unfortunate that you're still, you know, you haven't gotten there yet. But I suppose it's, it must be a very difficult area to study, because how can you, you know, scientifically monitor or measure these experiences?
0: Yes, that's, that's a, a real conundrum, because they often happen unexpectedly, you can't plan on having a near-death experience and and set up equipment to to study it. Mm. Um, But there have been uh, a lot of theories proposed about why these things happen, lack of oxygen to the brain, drugs given to the patient, and so forth. We've been able to test those Mm. by looking retrospectively at what was going on with the patients. And for example, we know that when people come close to death, those who report near-death experiences actually have better oxygen supply to their brain than those who don't. So it's not oxygen deprivation that's doing this. And we also know, likewise, that the more drugs people are given, the less likely they are to report near death experience. So these hypotheses just, they sound good on paper, but they don't work out when you look at the data. And we've tried several, testing several different hypotheses like this, and the data consistently contradict them. So we don't really understand, from a physiological perspective, how these things can happen.
1: What are the consistent things that you have heard from people over the years about these experiences?
0: Well, that was the major problem, because you can't trust what any one person says as being realistic, because everyone's got cultural and religious biases on what the, what happens. Mm. So we had to collect thousands of cases from different religions, different cultures, and look for what's the consistency among the different uh, people and and cultures. And we found that there is a consistent pattern. People report feeling overwhelming peace and well-being. They report a sense of leaving the physical body. They often report leaving this physical world and going to some other realm or dimension Mm. uh, where they encounter other beings, which they may interpret as deities or as deceased loved ones. Mm. They often review their entire lives and at some point come to a decision to return to life or are told to come back against their will. Um, And These are consistent across cultures and, in fact, across the centuries. We have reports from ancient Greece and Rome That sound just like near-death experiences we hear today.
1: That's really interesting because I suppose a a sceptic might say, well, if you if you kind of live with the idea that a near-death experience looks like X, then it makes sense that perhaps you might kind of conjure up X when you are having something like a near-death experience. But if it's consistent across cultures and, you know, geography and time, then that doesn't really make sense, does it?
0: No, that's right. And we actually have experiences from very young children who haven't been told anything about death or what to expect from death. Mm. And many experiences say that what they experienced during the NDE, the near Death Experience, contradicted what they were told by their church to believe.
1: Mm. And tell me... If a person has one of these experiences, you describe that it's, you know, consistently people say that they feel that they're at great peace. Do they feel at peace afterwards or can this be kind of um, jarring or traumatic?
0: Well, it's often um, a sense of overwhelming peace that stays with them when they come back. Um, However, uh, these are hard to understand for people who have the experience as well as for everyone else. And they sometimes are very confused when they come back. And sometimes they are angry at having been brought back mm. uh, or sad about having been back in their lives. Mm. And that is difficult to deal with. Um, I found that the best way to do, work with that is to have these experiences, talk with other near-death experiences who've been through the process and have processed their own feelings of anger and sadness and and how they do that.
1: And and how can this impact someone's life then as they continue? Well,
0: that's another consistent pattern. You know, as a psychiatrist, I'm more interested in how these affect people rather than the experience itself. Mm. And I found that there is a consistent pattern that that persists for decades. Uh, People report they become more spiritual, and by that they mean more interested in uh, interpersonal relationships, in our connection to other people and the universe. They become much more compassionate, much more altruistic in their behavior, and much less interested in things of this world, material goods, uh, power, prestige, fame, competition, and that, as you can imagine, may create a lot of havoc in their lives. For example, I've talked to people who were career military officers or policemen mm. who found that after their near-death experience, they could not shoot somebody. It just was totally unthinkable to them to hurt someone else.
1: Wow.
0: Because uh, they just felt such compassion for everybody. They had to end up changing their careers. I've talked to people who were cutthroat businessmen um, who fought, came back thinking competition is silly. You, If you get so ahead of someone else's expense uh, that's really hurting them and hurting yourself as well and they they change the way they live their lives
1: so i mean is it bad that a near-death experience is sounding kind of attractive to me right now
0: (laughs) well you know actually um one of the most consistent after effects people report of a near-death experience is that they're no longer afraid of death Hmm. and when i first heard that i got concerned as a psychiatrist is this going to make people more suicidal Mm. So, of course, being a scientist, I did a study of this. Mm. I interviewed people who were admitted to my hospital with a suicide attempt. And I compared those who had a near-death experience as a result of the suicide attempt and those who didn't. And what I found was that those who had a near-death experience became less suicidal after than those who didn't have an NDE. And in fact, other researchers have since then done the same study with other populations and found the same thing. And when I asked the experiencers, why is that? If you're no longer afraid of, of dying uh, or death, why aren't you trying to kill yourself? And what they said is basically that when you lose your fear of, of dying, you also lose your fear of living mm. because you're no longer afraid of losing life. So you tend to take more chances, jump in with all feet and live life to the fullest. And life becomes much more meaningful and fulfilling for them.
1: It sounds a bit like kind of enlightenment or like self-actualization or something. Like it sounds magical.
0: Well, it is very much like self-actualization. And and, it's it's like a mystical experience you get from um, the spiritual traditions through meditation or various uh, religious practices. I think the big difference is that when you try to have this experience, either with psychedelic drugs or through meditation, you're intentionally doing it. Mm. And you often have preparation for it beforehand. and mm. then you have often have guides or teachers to help you process it. Mm. Whereas a near-death experience comes to you totally unexpected. You weren't trying to do it, and it's totally upended your life with no preparation and usually no guide to help you afterwards.
1: What has this um this work done for you as a person? Has it changed you or has it made you spiritual, maybe in a way that you weren't before?
0: Well, it's certainly given me a different perspective on on the world. Like I went to this thinking that the physical world was all that is, and there is, and and I can no longer believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen too many examples of people claiming to leave their bodies and then seeing totally unexpected things they couldn't have guessed that they couldn't have possibly seen while they were in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's just it's inescapable to me that something about us can leave the body and still function. Something's able to think and feel and perceive when it's not associated with the brain. And that kind of upends everything I was taught about what people are like.
1: Yeah, how do your fellow scientists respond to that?
0: Well, it's interesting because it's changed over the decades I've been doing this work. Yeah. When I first started talking about this in medical conferences back in the 1980s, nobody had heard of it. And there was a lot of skepticism. People were thinking that these patients are just putting one over on me, that they didn't really happen. Mm. And now, as it's become more and more common in the popular culture, everyone knows about it, and in fact, doctors are asking patients about them and finding that they're quite common. So now, when I talk to medical conferences, you often see doctors standing up in the audience afterwards and saying, "Let me tell you about my near-death experience." Wow. So they still there's still a lot of legitimate controversy about what's causing these experiences, mm-hmm. but doctors realize that that this these are Common things happen to their patients, and they need to know about them for that reason.
1: Well, it's absolutely fascinating. And if you would like to know more about Bruce's work, uh, you can get after. A doctor explores what near death experiences reveal about life and beyond now. That's Dr. Bruce Grayson, Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Neurobehavioral Sciences at the University of Virginia. Thank you so much, Bruce. I've really enjoyed talking to you.
0: Thank you, Louise. It's been a pleasure. Louise McSherry on 2FM.